Hello and welcome to Talk and Trades, the weekly podcast where we talk about comics so you don't have to. I'm Jeremy, I'm a DC fan, and what I picked up on Free Comic Book Day was the Four Doctors preview. And I'm John, I'm a Marvel nut, and what I picked up that day was the Civil War II preview teaser, as well as the Steve Rogers Captain America Zero issue. Welcome to Talk and Trades. That was a mouthful. Yeah. But <laughs> I also picked up a ton of other books just because, oh, yeah. like, why not? So many books. Like Sonic, because like why not? Because why not? Free Comic Book Day. If you don't know about it, it's past. You messed up. Is the best. It's the second best day in May. Don't insult the audience. It's the second best day in May, and it's it's. I love going to Free Comic Book Day. You get so you get a bunch of free comics, and granted, there are a lot of teasers and like previews, but it's awesome. You get free stuff. Yeah, why not? Um, did you read the Four Doctors? No, not yet. But Jen did, and Jen said it was good. And I trust Jen. She's she's a smart girl. You don't have to say that just because she's in the room. Good. I hate Jen. <laughs> but I do trust her on Doctor Who. So uh, it was probably very good. What I did read was I read over the Archie. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that was fun. We we need to cover that at some point. I really enjoyed that. It was... I've been telling you. Like, the I, show. I 100% agree with you. I, I liked old Archie. Like, when I was a kid, I'd grab those... On the way out of the grocery store, mm-hmm. they were fun. Like the digests, yeah, they were fun. This Archie is like really good, but not. It doesn't rely on old Archie, but then again, it doesn't like. Throw not it away. rely on old. Archie. It doesn't throw it away, but it doesn't need it. It's okay. new, it's fun, but it doesn't hate its past. I like it. Good. I'm a fan, so I think we should read that at some point. You've already said that, and I, I'm agreeing with you. Good. But uh, what we did on free comic book, we didn't just hang out and read comics like slobs. We did some work. We did. What did we do, John? Uh, we handed out some promotional stuff. We have uh, various takeaways like stickers. Um, we also interviewed a lot of writers and artists. Yeah, quite a few. People you might recognize. Uh, Scott James, Bill Reinhold, Bernie. A lot of fun people. And then we did uh, some new people. Marcus Mueller, Rebecca Rothschild was new. Uh, Hal Betzold was new for us. Frank, who actually works at My Happy Place, but he was really fun. It, it's, it was a good set of interviews. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's what you're about to hear. We just wanted to have a quick little intro, because we know you love hearing our voices in clear audio, as opposed to, you know, the not-so-clear audio of our handheld mic. Yeah. Yeah. So, so without any further ado... Buckle in. It's not going to be a smooth ride, apparently. <laughs> it's, it's to- I edited it. It's totally fine. My edits are perfect, clean, and crisp. And you can hear them for yourself right now. So we are here once again with the fabulous Mr. Bill Reinhold, and I wanted to talk to you about this, that Badger cover you drew. How does it, like, can you tell us a little bit about, do you know what's going on with the Badger? I mean, I know it's not, you're not working on it too much. I, not really, I can't really say what's going on with the Badger, except that um, Mike Barron, who created it, is still writing it, so he's doing uh, great Badger stories as ever, and, um... Um, I was asked to do uh, at first a variant cover and then it turned into doing the regular cover for issue number three of the Badger that had uh, Vladimir Putin in it so I got to draw him on the cover and um, then after that I did um, a variant cover for number four Um, but it was fun to do I mean I'd always hope to do some more Badger and maybe still will someday I'm not sure if we could work it out but um, it was it was fun to draw the badger again. What does it feel like to see something? I know you didn't create the badger, but you worked on it real early, issue five, right? You said. Right, issue five. That's right. How does it feel to see something like that getting another resurgence? To see him kind of coming no, back? Well, you know, this is getting a lot a lot of attention. This uh, uh, new storyline coming out from first Devil's Do. But actually, uh, there have been some other series in the past. Uh, there was one at Image, uh, one at Dark Horse that Jill Thompson drew. Um, there's been a few, actually. 
but um, but not it, there wasn't as much attention put on them, I think, as this was. Right. So they're really, although this is, I guess, is a single story arc, and um, I, I guess there's going to be another one, I think, after this. So they're going to continue. Is it, so is this something that you would? I mean, you, there's been other stories, but is this something you'd recommend reading? Like something our readers, our oh, listeners, should pick well, up? Well, if you're not familiar with the Badger, you definitely should check it out. Uh, and of course, you can go way back and look at my issues. Which we 80s. definitely recommend. From the 80s, uh, there were reprints of my books, not all of them, but a lot of them put out by IDW, mm, I don't know, five years ago or something. They put out maybe the first 25 issues that I did. And um, so you can get collected editions of them. Not to mention the books are easy to find. Okay. But cool. it's, a, it's a great character to at least check out. What? To be 100% honest, I do not know much about him. What is, like, his... I don't need his whole origin, but, like, what's his deal? Okay, well, basically, well, he's originally, although they've changed it now to, to update him, but originally he was a Vietnam vet, and... He uh, is a martial artist of, you know, of a worldwide renown. Uh, uh, yeah, well, just like one of the best in the world, knowing all different styles of martial arts. And he also has multiple personalities. So he has this whacked out view and things all the time. In fact, when, when Deadpool first came out, some people thought... Deadpool was copying a lot of what the Badger is. So if you know that kind of sense of humor in comics, it's it's similar in a lot of ways. But um, it, it's not a copy of the Badger. Some people thought it was. If you, you, if you Google Deadpool Badger, you'll find people talking about this, making this comparison. But according to uh, Fabian Nicieza, the co-creator of Deadpool, he said he was completely unaware of Badger's background, really. He was aware of the character um, because it was pretty popular at one time, but he didn't really know anything about it, so he had no no direct influence on Deadpool whatsoever. They, so it's a bit of a coincidence. Just happened to work out that way. Yeah, they're similar in many ways. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. So is there anything that you're working on right now that you'd like to plug or like let our listeners know about not right now okay <laughs> that's a very easy answer um i mean obviously we always people to check out your work your work is fantastic um like get the collected badger all that stuff yeah. is there what's what, what's some recommended well, you also get the collected spider-man civil war right now that i work yeah I, go I was that. the anchor yep. on that so uh you know those are Actually, I noticed those were. Sure. There's a big resurgence in sales of that recently, as you can imagine. Well, is there, there's a, the movie's coming out, right? It's supposed to be a big now. deal. It's supposed to be a big deal. I saw it last night. Oh, we did. Oh, you saw it. Okay. I did not see it, so I don't say anything. Are you excited to see it? Sure. Well, actually, I like all the new Marvel movies, so uh, yeah, I can't wait to see it. Awesome. Is there a, is there a specific like arc or run you'd like to see adapted to the big screen, other than your own stuff? <laughs> Oh, in comics? Yeah. Well, what I would love to see done would be the, um, from Fantastic Four, the Galactus uh, trilogy, or the whole Galactus storyline that they really kind of screwed up in the, in the, in the first Fantastic well, in the Fantastic Four movie, where you, Galactus was a cloud, whatever, yeah. Yes, so someday Fantastic Four will come back to Marvel Productions, probably. And when that happens, <laughs> they'll probably make a really good Fantastic Four movie. I mean, and it, I maybe, so. it'll as, maybe it will be as, as good as The Incredibles. Ooh, which is the perfect <laughs> Fantastic Four yeah, movie. Right, exactly. But just, you know, what, you know, imagine what they could do with really making use of Galactus and everything in a film would be amazing. For real. They could do it, like, if they get it back soon, I'd, I'd love to see him personally do it, like, our phases, like, four, five, and six lead up to Galactus. And that's where the Black Panther started? So that's going to have to come up in the Black <laughs> Panther movie, I assume. I don't be know. still my beating heart. Yeah. <laughs> I am a huge Black Panther, but I actually was given some of your artwork, your Black Panther artwork over here as a gift for the uh, birthday. Cool. cool. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks. Always great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Super fun. 
here with Hal Betzel, also at the Comic-Con at My Happy Place Comics. Uh, tell us a little bit about your work. Yeah, uh, I've been an illustrator for probably uh, over 30 years, and uh, I've worked in animation, uh, current uh, animation, uh, advertising, product development, and so now I'm working in gaming. And I've always wanted to do Comic-Cons, uh, always been a huge fan, always gone as a fan. So I started doing this about a year and a half ago, just following my passion, really enjoying it, and uh, you know, loving just uh, giving my version on some of the popular stuff that's out there, So, but having a great time doing it. Very cool. Kind of going off that, I see a lot of very current things. We have the Deadpool movie came out just a couple months ago. Punisher also came out just a couple months ago. Whole Daredevil season. Set. Yeah. Um, is there a certain comic arc, hero, etc. you would like to see adapted to the big screen? Oh, boy. Interesting question. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of, I come from that age group where we suffered through some very bad TV. That, yeah, right. You know what I'm talking about. David Hasselhoff. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, Shazam, like, uh, you know, all that stuff, you know. And so I'm kind of like, to me, it's like a renaissance. I'm just loving it. I mean, I'm loving everything that's being done. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think. They kind of hit all of my favorites, you know, so far. So I am pleasantly surprised and optimistic, dare I say. <laughs> but it's, it's really cool. I mean, it's a great time. For me, it's a great time to be an artist because you get so jazzed about everything that's being done. And it's just inspiration around every part. Uh, Star Wars. I mean, the new, <laughs> the new stuff they're doing. I mean, it's like, it's amazing. You know? So it just uh, keeps getting better and better. You know? It's just like, I, unfortunately, I have to sleep. You know? I'm working on it. <laughs> You only have to sleep for eight hours. Yeah, so you got the rest of the time for, for nerd that's what stuff. They tell me. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you were a kid, when you, you were a comic book fan, I'm assuming. Yes. Guys, what was like the first book you remember reading or buying? Uh, this is different. Yeah. You know what? I would say I, would, I always gravitated towards Captain America. That was he was my guy. Yeah. And uh, so and I'm, and I'm loving, like I say, the new version. You know, him coming to life. Is, you know, it's like, oh my god, nerd heaven. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you read Standoff or see Civil War? You know, I, I remember reading Civil War, yeah, and, and it made a big impression on me, and, it's, and, and I have not seen the movie yet, and it's like, I am so, I, I've heard it's just phenomenal. So, it's so, really not but that good. The reason I'm holding off is the sleep issue, because I know once I see it, I'm going to have to do some art. <laughs> it's, it is two and a half hours. Go fairly early. Okay. If you do that art, if you do any Black Panther stuff, oh, you, you, me too. He's amazing. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but he's absolutely fantastic in the movie. I've heard that. I've heard that he's just over Perfect. the top. Perfect. All right. <laughs> Loving it. <laughs> no, you won't be able to sleep because you're going to be up. Yeah, I know. I'm a, I don't draw, and I'm just up drawing stick figures with Black Panther's face on it. <laughs> with, like, the necklace? Yeah, just like, with the necklace. <laughs> very nice. What I need to do is, like, sleep, get get a lot of sleep, then see the movie. That, that'll work. That's, that's a good. That, that, go. That's a good. Hey, tomorrow it's a good <laughs> Sunday, right? Pre-game. <laughs> Mother's Day? No. <laughs> Civil War Day. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I think we know the answer to this, but how do you feel about the current exposure comics are getting? How do you feel about that? The climate of comics and geekdom. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I really. Um, it, it's it's interesting because I, I'll talk to a lot of old timers, and um, sometimes I think the old timers are, are a little like. Wow, all this movie stuff, you know. I, I'm, I, you know, and, and I think the connotation is they don't love it so much because they feel like it's taken a little bit away from the comics. I kind of feel like high tides lift all boats, you know what I mean? I think as the interest grows and, uh, you know, the Avengers or whatever it may be, it's only going to help comics, you know. And, and so, and, and I've seen growth at these shows that are just amazing. And so I think it's a great thing. I think it's, a, it's bringing... Uh, younger people into it. It's bringing people you never would think would be interested in comics. And so I think it's just it's a wide net. And it's just bringing people in. And people will find what they really love. And you know, some people really dig comics. Some people really dig movies. It's all good. It's, you know, or the TV shows. Yeah. Like there's the research of the TV shows. Good TV shows yeah. finally. Yeah. <laughs> right. The suffering is over. No <laughs> more Shazam Power Hour. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love, I Lou, I love Lou Ferrigno, but enough already. Right? <laughs> 
<laughs> awesome. Where can uh, where can our listeners find you if they want to buy your amazing art? Uh, you know, um, probably the best way to do it because I don't have an online store at the moment. But if they were to go to um, uh, Hal dot Betzel, um, uh, dot com they'd be able to define my stuff and my information and, and usually what I'll have people do is just email me and then we just go through like PayPal or whatever sure. and stuff like that it's awesome yeah. well thank you very much it was really yeah. nice talking Ple- to you pleasure to meet you guys thank you very much cool we are here with the fabulous Marcus Mueller the illustrator of Buttman I mean Batman <laughs> I love this picture it's amazing can you tell us a bit about your work and where like it's a very interesting style that I haven't really seen before yeah, sure. I'm, uh, I was always a big fan of like animation growing up, so I knew I knew that I either want to get into doing comics or animation, something that dealt with storytelling. So a lot of my influences are from animation. I study a lot of you know art books with animation stuff like that. So that's where a lot of the look of my style comes from. Um, you know, just trying to have like a sleek kind of modern look to it. I mean, it's, I like like your Captain America is absolutely fantastic. I love that, like the barrel chested. Almost Rob Liefeld, but like real dimensions, <laughs> like not stupid looking. <laughs> yeah, I, well, for that kind of stuff too, like superheroes, especially I'm a fan, like the you know, like the Bruce Tim or the barrel chested uh, look for like superheroes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Who is like? Do you have like a main inspiration? Like Bruce Tim, you said any any other like big inspirations? Uh, as far as like animation goes, uh, Jeff Matsuda that did like Jackie Chan Adventures, and then they did the Batman cartoon. Where he did kind of like a his, his takes on the villains and stuff are a little more you know off the wall yeah. than some of the other ones, but uh, you know still a unique, a unique take. Cool. If uh, like let's say you were the head of a studio, right? Yeah. You get to pick any arc from comics and you get to make it into a movie. What would you do? Like what arc or story? Are you talking about just like a superhero or like any comic book? Any, any anything you read you like to see like a specific arc you like to see on the big screen. Um, I think something like Madman would be kind of cool, like Mike Allred's Madman. I mean, that's been around for a while, and then, you know, that's something that's different. You know, there's also that cartoon, like, Freakazoid, that was kind of, <laughs> seemed like it's inspired by that. He deserves a movie. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I think Madman would be pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, where can we find you? Like, where can our, like, listeners find you? Because they need to see this art and pay you money for it's your art. It's unfortunately an audio medium, so, like, it's really hard to do it justice. Like, where, yeah, where can we find you? Uh, a good place to start would be kvunknown.com, where you can find uh, part of my KV Unknown comic, which is like Fat Elvis is a paranormal investigator. I think there's about 25, 27 pages up there. All right. um, the graphic novel, that's going to be coming out next year, 2017, so look for that. Fantastic. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We're here with Cody at Crystal Geek, and tell us a little bit about what your, what your product is. Yeah, so what it is is a uh, solid piece of crystal, the same material that a uh, chandelier is made out of. And what we do is we take uh, 2D images that we you know, either draw ourselves or find on the internet and uh, render it in 3D and put it into an AutoCAD machine that fires lasers to create a uh, 3D laser engraved crystal Pokeball. It looks, I know it's a, you know, audio medium, but uh, it, it looks incredible. It's just solid crystal with the image clearly inside the Pokeball. You can, I mean, you can see it from all angles. I'm holding the Bulbasaur one, and it's like, I turn it upside down, and there's his belly, I turn it in back, and there's the ball. Like, I see everything. It's it's fantastic. I already paid, I bought one. I bought a Gengar because <laughs> I needed it. How, um, how'd you get started with this? Well, what it originally was, was my buddy and I, we, we, we went to school at the University of Kentucky, and one day we were just like, we're huge, avid collectors of, you know, memorabilia. I collect, you know, all the swords from Lord of the Rings. He collects all these comics from World War II. And we're like, Pokemon. We have all these cards. We're huge fans. But where's our adult fan collectibles? You have the cards. You have the games. You have plushies. But where's something I can put on my desk at work and be proud of? Um, you know, Star Wars fans got it. You know, Star Trek fans. I mean, everyone. So um, we decided to make our own. How do we want to do it? Like, what would a Pokeball look, or what would a Pokemon look like inside of a Pokeball? And so we're like, sort of bouncing ideas off each other, and eventually we, we came to this conclusion, and here we are with, you know, they come with LED lights illuminating the Pokemon, and just expressing our uh, deep, you know, loyalty to the company. Our uh, our fans may remember on 
on Reddit at one point, they blew up. They were all over. People were like talking about, you got to see this. This is amazing. And those, that was you. It's not like somebody who did something similar. That was you. And you guys blew up. And you were out of stock for quite a while. That was a big deal on the internet. People were like selling them for way more money because they were out of stock. And so like, what does that feel like to be like, and not an overnight success because you guys busted your butts, but like to feel successful? Well, or do you feel successful? Uh, yeah, it, it's so crazy. So we started in uh, back in 2015, like early July. We made our first prototype, and it was just Mewtwo. And you know, we were to put them on the internet, Etsy, and we wanted to see how it did. And we only sold one. February only sold like two. No, I think it was one. Actually, I don't think we sold any in February. To be honest, we weren't. We were pretty like, we're like, was this it worth it? And when we went to our first Comic Con in March. Everyone got to see it and feel it and hold it, and that's this is one of those products that you can really appreciate it for its value when you're holding it and and seeing is believing, and that's why you know the the video or the audio here doesn't do it justice. But yeah, the, after that Comic Con, the following weekend, Reddit just everyone's taking photos and blew up. It was like and we we took a walk around the parking lot and we had another hundred orders. We were gone for 15 minutes, and another order. We were backed up for months, and it was just it was surreal. We all this work and like. The idea that we believed in took off, and it was just so like it was, it was motivating because then it just it pushed us to like how do we make it better? What programs can we do to give us better quality? Um, our you know uh, what machines do we need to use to get better you know detail and you know so on and so forth? It just pushed us and motivated us, and we like that people like it just as much as we do. That's awesome. Where um, where can our listeners find the product? Um, you can find it. Um, on Etsy, we are uh, Pokemaster Crafter, and then uh, if you do anything, you just message us, and then we'll get back to you. Uh, we took everything down because we're finishing all of our licensing agreements, um, and then after that, you can just uh, email us, and then we'll get you something in the mail. You're expanding your market, too, aren't you? You're not just doing Pokeballs, or is that something you can't talk about yet? I can talk about it a little you bit. You tease it a little I bit? Can, I can, yeah, I can do some teasers. So, yeah, so uh, after we did this whole uh, Pokemon excursion, and we had a really long and uh, painful conversation with Nintendo, um, <laughs> they... Uh, They've been a little bit more lenient with us, so we really appreciate that. And um, so I can't say exactly, but uh, we are working with a company that is over uh, over the pond in Great Britain. Uh, everyone knows the show really well. Uh, it's something about a doctor. I don't I don't know it that well. Uh, some doctor. I I don't know. Um, uh, we're also working with um, uh, some comic book companies out here in the U.S. Um, it's not Marvel, but it's another big dog. Um, <laughs> you got to be a detective to figure it out. Right, yeah, this is some Sherlock Holmes stuff over here. Uh, and then, uh, what was the other big one we were doing? Um, oh, yeah, another, another um, U.K. Um, sensation. Something about a boy and a... And, and I think a, it's going to be magical. It, it, it might be magical. It could be spectacular. But, yeah, that's that's the best I could do on uh, details right now. Teasers. You're good yeah, at teasers. Yeah, these teasers. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, guys. So we are here with Scott James, who you may remember as the wonderful interview from our last Comic-Con podcast, who worked on Savage Dragon. You've worked on Harlan Falk, which is absolutely amazing. What else have you done that our readers might have seen? Um, Starship Troopers for Marcosia. Um, I do a lot of gaming stuff for Mutants and Masterminds, role-playing games, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, all that kind of... We know uh, all about that, too. Yeah, so uh, that's pretty much... I'm currently working on a creator-owned project called The the Mob Files, so... Can you tell us about that at all, or is it someone to wraps? I can tell you a little bit. Can you tease it? Yeah, I can can give you a little tease. Uh, It's just basically um, a... I'm doing a four-issue story arc. Four chapters is The Rat, Car Talk, and um, Forgiven, and the last one's The Gypsy. And it, it's 70s kind of mob with a Tales of the Crypt kind of feel to it. You've got a guy that is the uh, narrator, a uh, private detective named Tobias Lindblade, and he's pulling out all these case files of you know, mob stuff, and we're talking to either the reader 
He's either uh, talking to the reader or a person. We don't know yet. You okay. see, you know, we'll find out who he's actually showing these different cases to. And all of them are, uh, they tie together, but they're out of sequence. Kind of like a Quentin Tarantino, Pulp Fiction feel, where you, you'll, one character might be dead and, or die in one issue, and then you see him pop up, so the timeline jumps slightly. Cool. But it all will be knitted together in the in the end, and it it's slated to be a, a four issue mini. Uh, it'll collect nice into a graphic, and then uh, it will be the uh, catalyst to the next four issue story arc. So it'll continue on. Awesome. Can they find that digital, or is that who's who's that done by Image? Well, right now, it, it, I'm looking to possibly have Image do it. I've got a. a uh, a couple people interested in publishing it. I've just got to get the work done. I've got Frank Fosco from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, he's helping lay it out. So I'm writing it, penciling it, inking it, coloring it. So I, when do you sleep? Uh, that's a good question. And I have four children. So uh, yeah, it's be 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 be. So yeah, my mind's always going. So it, it was nice to have Frank Fosco. Uh, pick up and, and do some of the layouts. I've got Adam Pruitt going to be lettering it. He's lettered my stuff on Savage Dragon. He letters for Dark Horse. So, uh, just guys that I worked with on uh, Savage Dragon trying to keep the band together, man. Super group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want to call us that. But, no, people I enjoy working with and uh, I respect Frank's layouts a lot, his art a lot. Uh, he's done a lot of backups for Eric as well, the Vanguard serial. Like I said, he was doing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for Image back in the day. So that's really cool. yeah. I mean, he just the way he kicks out the layouts, and you know, he'll take what I've written and you know, jazz it up, and it's just great. So yeah, but that's kind of what's you know on the on the burner that's right the now. Pipeline. Yeah, yeah, and of course, with it being creator owned, I, I have to fill it in after you know the paying gigs the ones that pay the mortgage so yeah and i've been just mutants and masterminds have been keeping me pretty busy doing archetypal characters for their rpg sure, sure. so cool um with the current state of comics and their exposure we got civil war just coming out this weekend for example um, is there a certain arc or story or hero you'd like to see adapted to the big screen? Other than your own. Other than your own. Other than my own. Yeah. <laughs> we know Harlan Falk needs to be on the screen. <laughs> That'd be cool. Um, gosh. I, I like what they're doing with the new Spider-Man. I, I'd be interested to see how Marvel does it instead of Sony. Um, I, I think they could really make a killing on a Black Widow movie. That's the rumors. Yeah, I mean that would be that would be nice. I I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised with Guardians of the Galaxy. I, you know, a bunch of no, nobody characters except for Rocket Raccoon and and Groot was like a throwaway back in the '60s. So that was you know a, a nice surprise. So uh, I think Marvel right now is currently killing it with their movies. Doing really good. You know, I, DC I, they just haven't found that formula. They do great TV shows. You know, Arrow, Gotham, Supergirl, yeah, Flash. You know, TV shows they've got down, but something with the the, it's almost like everybody is cut the same mold. I mean, Superman's supposed to be the Boy Scout. I, I don't want to see my Superman brooding all the time. That's Batman. You don't like it. the homeless hobo Superman? The homeless hobos? No, no. I want the Boy Scout. I want him to sell Girl Scout cookies door to door. You know, bring back the the, the Boy Scout. Put the underwear back on the outside of his pants, for crying out loud. So would you want to see something like, I'm trying to think of a Superman run like that, like, I mean, All-Star Superman could be done like that. He was very Boy Scouty, very Man of Steel and All-Star Superman by Morrison. Was that something you'd like to see on the big screen? Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. And, you know, and I guess I'm getting old, but I always like the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. I mean, Donner did a hell of a job directing them. You know, and the first you know, two at least. Yeah, yeah, the first two. Yeah, the, <laughs> we, we shall not talk about Superman three. That's the one with Richard Pryor, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. Quest for Peace. Yes. Which yeah. is the best one? Uh, well, look, look, look what they did. They killed Batman franchise for the longest time when they had Schumacher. You know. You know, why do we need bat nipples and bat butt scenes? You know. You didn't I, like that? No, no. I, I, I like my bat nipples to be. You know, hidden. 
but uh, you know, Michael Keaton still, I think, is the best. Thank you, Batman. Uh, and it was a surprise. I mean, he was a great Batman, and yet he was a great Bruce Wayne. Um, I I can't bring myself to watch, you know, Ben Affleck as Batman, especially after watching him destroy Daredevil. I think he's a better Batman than Daredevil, but I can I can definitely see why some people are hesitant for sure. Yeah. I liked him as Batman. I thought he was good. Was he? I see I haven't seen it. I, you know, I I've seen You got four kids. I don't you need to rest. <laughs> you want, yeah. Well and you try to take four kids to a theater. Yeah, forget about it. Depending on the age I'd recommend because like it the, the there are, there are very slow parts in BVS, yeah. so like that may not be an option. It feels if you're going like to bring two and and BVS sounds almost like a venereal disease. I'm sorry. Right, yes. uh, DC's got it bad, man. <laughs> yeah, he's got it bad. You better get a shot of penicillin for that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, a, it's it's that movie is very polarizing. Yeah, we have our opinions on it, but well, and it sounds like they're going that they pulled uh, Suicide Squad back and they were reshooting because. Then this is the problem DC had. Marvel does a great job of mixing humorous points that develop, show the character, and be and they're, and they're true to the character in the comic. Yeah. You know, like Captain America, language, please. In the, <laughs> you know, and then Stark just busting his nuts on it. You know, yeah. did you really say like? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just they're they're layering it. And, and they had the right formula of, you know, the, the, the first tier, the second tier, the, you know, building up to the Infinity War. And that's the problem DC has always done. And it happened to, to Sony with Spider-Man. They're trying to tell too much story in too little time, and no one gives a rat's ass about the characters. You know, you don't have time to care about the characters, you know, yeah. or develop you know, uh, those subtle nuances that make the characters lovable and likable, you know, and and DC tends to do a cookie-cutter stamp, you know, now they're having to reboot their their whole line again, what was it, the new 52 was only new about four years ago? It didn't go very long, did it? No, it It didn't go very long. No, it didn't last, you know, I I loved Capullo's run on it, was it really Batman? No, I, I, yeah, I, some people again polarizing. He's got like got his lovers and he's got his haters. Um, I, and the only reason I bought it was Capullo's art, and it's the only reason why I pick up DC or Marvel books through the artists, not not because the, the stories are just recycled. I mean, that's why I like Image or the more creator owned. I love reading Invincible. That would be a cool one on a big screen. Yeah, I think yeah. Invi- you know because you get that cantina scene with all the where Invincible is now. You know, in outer space, you've got the Guardians of the Galaxy feel, you've got the Star Wars feel, you've got, you know, there's a lot to play with in that, yeah. that universe that Kirkman's created. I think Kirkman's good. I mean, Kirkman, he really is pretty solid. Oh, and he, the, the only thing I didn't like, and I hate to say it, uh, because I love uh, Jason Howard as a person and, and as an artist, I, I enjoyed Wolfman. I loved his stuff on Astonishing Wolfman. But, Super Dinosaur, I just, it was their, their attempt at a kid, you know, it, it just didn't work for me. And that was the one thing that, you know, I picked up because it was my friend, you know. And yeah. it, but, you know, it wasn't written for, it was more of a kid's book. So, and, you know, he was trying the kid's market, but, you know, Kirkman, anything he touches usually is, you know, he's, he's got the lightest touch, you know. That's pretty true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just look at what he's done with Walking Dead, you know, which always it boggles my mind. The same thing with Bo Smith with Wynonna uh, uh, Earp. They're the creators. Bo Smith created. But in, in the credits, they've got other creators. They're the producers. They're, I, they didn't come up with the idea. They didn't cre- So that always boggles my mind. How can you be like a producer putting their name on Harlan Falk saying, yes, we create it. No, technically, Cy DeFong and myself created Harlan Falk. You know, so that that always, you know, and, and of course they always want to take top billing over the original creator. So It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, good times. And of course I would love to see a Savage Dragon movie. Uh, you know, or at least an animated. I know they did the animated cartoon on TBS there for a while. And it was, as Eric said, just wretched. The vo- he didn't like the voices, the voice actors. 
I, mean, I remember seeing it. It wasn't great. No, no, it was the same kind of time that they did the uh, uh, Wildcats cartoon, and it was that they tried to simplify Jim Lee style. They tried to simplify Eric Larson style, and it ended up looked like a bad knockoff version of their drawings. You know. You know, it's, it's kind of back when they did Super Friends and Alex Toth did all the model sheets. Model sheets are gorgeous. The animation sucked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, same thing with 20, C-Lab 2020. I've got some of Toth's yeah. model sheets. Absolutely gorgeous. He did beautiful marker renderings. And you see the, the animated cartoon and it just, well, yeah, it had a second resurgence because it was so bad they made uh, C-Lab 2021. Yeah. And they made it work. You know, it so... Worked much better as 2021. <laughs> well, yeah, because they were making fun. Right. You know, right. It, 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 same thing with the uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. You know, we were just talking about that over there with Bernie. It's, yeah. Yeah. Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Well, I grew up on that. It was hilarious. Yeah. I never See, saw I, Space Ghost. Oh, really? I grew up on Space Ghost, the original Johnny Quest. You know, I'm a child of the 70s. Right. So 70s, 80s. So, you know. Yeah, and, and what I love is that everything's now being recycled. You know, it's like the return of the 70s, almost. You, you got the Star Wars coming back, you know, uh, which, you know, it's like all these cool stuff. You know, you got your Avengers, Marvels hitting it out of the park. You know, it's, I mean, it's a great time to be around, especially in, you know, uh, superhero universe. You know. Good time to be a geek. Exactly. And, you know, I can get my geek out. Yeah. You know, not, you know be ashamed you before you'd walk in you'd feel like a you know uber nerd now you're seeing the hot chicks in the in the line with the uber nerd going to see you know the movies so and then the whole cosplay uh movement has really i think made it you know cool to be a geek you know so and as much as shows like big bang theory aren't great shows they have made it more mainstream. Well, yeah, yeah. Thanks, you, Sheldon Cooper. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Bazinga. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whether you're not you like the show, it has normalized that culture a little bit more. Yeah, and that's primarily why I like the show is that you get to see, and it's true to the the culture, you know. And, and I and kind of like the whole Will Wheaton uh, protagonist like, uh, antagonist. Yeah. Or, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, especially being in. Uh, Gaming, doing the gaming work and doing the comic work, see, seeing both, you know, sides. It, it's kind of it's kind of neat that it's oh, okay, you could come out now. You know, it's it's cool to, to wear your Captain America shirt. Where when I was going to cons, you only brought out your your X Men T shirt that you bought at the show once a year because it was like if you wore it out in public, you know, you were gonna get shunned. Right. You know. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> An undesirable. Exactly, exactly. You know, hey, I'm a kid at heart. Right. So, same here. Well, it's a good time to be a geek, and it's an awesome time to talk to you. Thank you so much for the interview. Hey, we really no appreciate problem, it. Brother. Take care. Thank you. We are here with Rebecca Rothschild, the author of Warshiner. Can you tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, uh, basically in a nutshell, Warshiner is about prohibition in space. So as my sales pitch would suggest, if you like space and alcohol, then, you're, then this is the book for you. This is the podcast for you, too. We love space and alcohol. Yay! We should do a cocktail recipe. I agree. <laughs> we can do that. Um, what was the first comic book you either remember purchasing or reading? Okay, so... Uh, I didn't have any comic book nerds in my direct family, so I was, uh, I grew up in Evanston, Illinois, and they had this, I believe, the shop, I uh, can't remember the name of it now, anyway, I walked by and I was with my dad, and I said, I want to go in this comic book shop, and I want to check this stuff out, it looks so cool, and I just went digging through, and I was just, like, so overloaded, and I just grabbed, like, this Silver Surfer comic, and immediately when I read it, I realized how ridiculous he is <laughs> as a character, <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing, and then, so I don't even remember what issue it is. I don't even know where it is because I'm the worst, but yeah, that was that was my first comic book experience when I was a goner. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good first experience, though. I mean, clearly you still like space. I do love space. <laughs> if, uh, if, like, you're the head of a studio and you get to pick any comic arc 
other than Warshiner, because we know you'd do that, and you could turn it into a movie, what would you do, or what would you like to see on the big screen? Let's see, of everything that we've seen, I would like to see, I'm a big Punisher fan, so my big thing that I really loved was Welcome Back Frank. I don't know if he could punch a real polar bear in the face, I think it would have to be CG, because PETA might have a, you know, bitch fit. Uh, but yeah, I just... Um, let him whine. Let him whine. <laughs> but yeah, I... <laughs> well, welcome back, Frank the welcome Punisher. Back, Frank. Who wrote that? Do you remember, you know? It was Enos, I want to say. Okay. And yeah, it was, it's fabulous. Wonderful, wonderful non-PC 90s way to have Frank come back and be cool. <laughs> Would you want to see, um, what's his name, John Barenthal do Punisher? Oh yeah, that's 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 my other husband. I mean, you know, I I said to everyone when Daredevil came out, I wasn't going to watch it unless Punisher was a part of it. And then he was, and I was like, I love Frank for being able to punch a blind guy in the face and having no issue about it. No guilt. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what um, I'm spacing. What do you, what do you think about the current state of comics? Like the main, do you think it's good? Do you think it's bad? Would you like to see a change? Like what do you, as as an artist or as a writer, how do you feel about it? I mean, I think writing wise, it's you know, it's very interesting. I think sometimes you know, right now it's very dichotomous. Writing is either amazing or it's just that's like all there is to it. Um, that's just me being a persnickety writer. As sometimes as, book to book, though. Like, sometimes the same writer can be good or terrible. Oh, yeah. I mean, Frank Miller is the ultimate offender of that. <laughs> um, as far as... Yeah. I mean, I love I love and hate Alan Moore and, and, and Miller at the same time. And, you know, because they push, but they also have... They, Back in the day, they had these pretty chauvinistic tendencies, and I think, as far as the state of the comic books universe, now there's the whole cinematic universe, and I might be one of the very few people on the planet who loved BVS. And it was I'm with you. You are? I loved it. My people. So, I loved it, and you know what? It's because I read all of the source material, and what's cool about the movies... That's exactly why we were... What's cool about the movies is they took the coolest parts from what, Alan, uh, what Moore and Miller did, and they left the chauvinistic crap out of it, and they took the best guts of it, and and Gal Gadot, like, shut up. She's my Wonder Woman for life. She's so gorgeous. I'm excited for Aquaman. He's going to be wet throughout the whole movie. Jason Momoa is super hot. We can we, agree I was that. so excited for the two seconds. I was just like, ah! Like, I was so excited. He's so, so gorgeous. And then we got the workout scene. Hello! And then we got Superman abs shot. I really appreciate that. I love that the first shot you see of Chris Evans in Avengers was butt. It was ass. Thank you, Whedon. I really appreciate it. No, it means to me that they know that women are there. And that's, for me, obviously, I'm a woman. That's the big thing. We're not seeing women in refrigerators anymore, quote Gail Simone. We're not seeing, you know, we're finally getting, you know, Wonder Woman movies. We're getting a Black Widow movie, which is long overdue. Um, we get merchandise with these characters, these female characters, like, on the spot. So, yeah. Yes, that's Spider Gwen shirt. Shut up. I love it. I mean, that's, and that's a big deal. Like being a woman in comics is obviously you're you're a minority, but I mean John and I are both pretty big proponents of everybody deserves comics, right? We both I'm a, I love powerful women, you know I, I'm in love with Ronda Rousey, all those strong women in comics. Do you think it's getting better? Oh, it's changed so much. It's changed so much from when I first got into it. It has changed dramatically. Um, you just you start to see women being drawn like women. Um, J.H. Williams, uh, Alex Ross. Oh my God! They, how they draw women. I mean, he slays me. That new Mary, the was it the Mary Jane, the Spider Woman? I think. Yeah. Oh, gorgeous! Yeah. And she looks like a human being. Yeah. Robert Liefeld. I'm sorry. I had a moment. Um, you're, you're, no, you're in a safe place. You, we agree with you 100. So I, I love that. I love that women can come out and do cool stuff. I just yeah. I'm, it's all very exciting. I, it's so cool. And it's happened so fast. Well, you're exciting and you're cool. Thank you so much for like letting us talk to you. You've been fantastic. Right, where, thank um, you guys so much. Oh, right. Yeah, where can we find you? Okay, so you can find me at shironvex.com, which is my webcomic. You can find me at warshiner.com, which is the other website. And you can find me on Twitter, which is a good one, which is rbonksr. And you guys will have my card, and you can do all the fun stuff. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank really you. appreciate you it. Have- We're here with Russell LaSalle uh, at the... 
free comic book day, Comic Con at Happy Trades Comic or her, my happy place my happy tra- with <laughs> with talking trades at my happy place comics. Uh, Russell, great to see you again. Good to see you too, guys. Um, just wanted you to tell us a little about your work here. Uh, talked about Calypso earlier. Yeah, Calypso is the newest book that I've got uh, from my regular publisher, Pop Goes the Icon. Uh, same publisher that did Old Wounds and uh, quite a number of my independent comics. Calypso is a World War II mystery romance adventure story uh, drawn by Marvin Mann, who I've done, I think, seven or eight comics with. Worked with him more than any other artist, and I love working with Marv. It's the story of a paratrooper uh, on the dawn of the Normandy invasion. Uh, who's wounded in battle and is nursed back to health by a mysterious French woman who is not at all what she seems to be. Okay. Sounds, sounds right up my alley, yeah, person. Right, up, John. <laughs> right on. World War II. Well, you know, it's, it's the second story that I've done set in World War II. It's actually the second story I've done set in World War II with Marv. Okay. Um, I'm a World War II history buff and was very much inspired for this story. Uh, by the Brand of Brothers book and the, and the miniseries, which is why I chose an American paratrooper uh, for the story. We had we had wanted to tell a story. Marv loves doing historical stories, um, and I have always been a fan of the Calypso myth from the Odyssey. And what a great adventure story that is! I mean, the first, the world's first great adventure story, the Iliad and the Odyssey. And I've always loved the story of Calypso, this woman who lives all alone on this island and can do nothing but lure men there and have her way with them until they die. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that she's trapped in silence. She can't leave. So she can just lure sailors. And there's a reason the woman in this story is called Calypso. I won't ruin it, but there's a reason she's called Calypso. Uh, and it's... it's Master of the cell. Master yeah. of the cell. Thank you, man. <laughs> um, and it's a really neat story. I had to rely on a friend of mine who lives in Paris now and speaks fluent French for a little bit of the translation work. Uh, and another friend of mine who, uh, I won't say she's a Wiccan, but she dabbles in that. And uh, she helps him with some of the magic in the story. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool. There's magic. Yeah, there's Where can we find that? Uh, you can buy it at popgoestheicon.com. Excuse me. Uh, you can also buy it through Comixology and your uh, your favorite digital web, uh, digital comics producers, and me at any comic book con, uh, Comic Con this summer. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what we're really buying it. Some of our listeners are digital people. Right. Uh, yeah. It's it was a, it was a digital first release. Pop goes the icon. It's doing a lot of their books that way now. Uh, so it's ninety nine cents at Comixology or any of the other digital comics wow. publishers. Cool. Yeah. It's it's really cool. Yeah. So, um, we just got a couple questions we're going to ask. Lay them on me, guys. Um, what was the first comic you ever bought, and, or just read? Or... I don't remember the first comic I bought. I remember the first comic I read. I still own it. What was it? Treasury-sized Star Wars number one. The oversized uh, collection of issues one through three of the first Star Wars miniseries from Marvel. Uh, it's been restapled. It's covered in uh, masking tape and scotch tape. It's got my name scrawled on it. Uh, but I was six when Star Wars came out, and somebody bought me bought me the treasury size volume as as a gift because I was so into Star Wars, and I was hooked on comics immediately. It took me years to find volume two. Volume two is relatively rare. Really? Yeah. Uh, so when I finally found, I, I think I was a teenager. When I finally found Treasury Size Volume 2, which has the second half of the story, and I flipped out. I don't remember what I paid for it, but I remember flipping out. Um, so that, that was my very first comic book. My first superhero book was an issue of Brave and the Bold, uh, which I also still own. Um, it was a team-up between the uh, Earth-1 Batman and the Earth-2 Huntress, and it was a Christmas story. Um... Bruce Wayne is tricked into believing that his parents were criminals, and he gives up being the Batman. He thinks his whole life is a sham, and he gives up being the Batman, and Huntress kind of talks him back into it, and it ends with one of my all-time favorite Batman moments. He delivers presents to an orphanage, because it's a Christmas story, and he uh, zips in through, uh, through the chimney and delivers 
delivers presents to an orphanage. Like he would. Like he would. Like Batman definitely. Yeah, it, 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 and and I, I still own that book as well. And that became a life that began a lifelong love affair with Batman. I mean, to this day, still my favorite superhero. That's what you based Old Wounds a little bit off of was a Batman type, right? Yeah, the you know the the non-powered superhero, uh, the the character, the protagonist of Old Wounds. Uh, I look at him as Batman without Bruce Wayne's money. Um, you know, Bruce Wayne is able to be Batman long term because he's got the cave and the mansion and the money for the cars and the equipment and all that. Not to mention serious medical care. <laughs> and and, and I, I, I'm, a, I'm a writer who bases even the superhero stuff in the real world. And in at least two of my Batman stories, Alfred is stitching Bruce up. He's he's a human. He's not a superpowered man. He's gonna get hurt. And Alfred, as we all know, has military medical training. Uh, and but sometimes it goes it goes more than that. And and he's gonna have medical bills. He's gonna have the need for significant medical care. What do you do if you don't have Bruce Wayne's fortune and you're badly injured in the line of duty? That leads to what happens to Michael Lane in Old Wounds. Fantastic. I, I love Old Wounds. And it's, there's a clear, not you're not like it's not derivative of Batman, but it's like inspired by. You can see that it's the heart and soul of like that non-superpowered hero who has done well. Because you can do a non-superpowered hero poorly. I think it has been done, but Old Wounds has done very well. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I love the Wounds. the biggest compliment that I got on the series that John and I got on the series. Um, there were some podcasters who who kept referring to it not as a superhero book, but as a pulp book, and I loved that. And 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 that wasn't in my mind as I was writing the story where I wanted to do a pulp story, but looking back at it, you can really see, especially in John's artwork, you can you can really see a throwback to those old pulpy shadow type characters you know oh, yeah, you can it, especially in the way John drew uh, the Night Hunter and his fedora you can see a lot of the shadow there oh yeah for sure. yeah and and the, the spirit to a lesser to a lesser extent too yeah uh, I mean he's, he's a guy in a fedora and a mask and a suit fighting crime uh, we weren't trying to ape Will Eisner we weren't trying to ape the shadow but I think subconsciously those stories and the stories of that era led to old wounds because those stories were based in realism too they weren't superpowered characters they weren't really wearing costumes they were just hiding their identity in the same way the Scarlet Pimpernel did or the Lone Ranger I mean the Lone Ranger's outfit is a superhero outfit but he's really just hiding his identity in the only way he could at the time it's actually one of the if I can kind of go off the rails for a minute I love Dynamite's Lone Ranger series. I, I was a Lone Ranger fan as a kid, but I loved the Lone Ranger series that Dynamite did because they did something I thought really interesting with the character design. They didn't give him a domino mask. They, in, in the Lone Ranger, he makes his mask out of his brother's vest. It's literally a tattered vest. hanging. You know, it's cloth from a tattered vest hanging off his, of, his, of his face, whereas in the TV show and in most of the movies, he's wearing a traditional domino mask. Yeah. Um, but it was neat to see the ranger wearing what's obviously shreds of a vest to cover his face. Yeah, I never read that. That's really cool, though. You should check it out. I will definitely check it out. Of course I will. Yeah. Just tell me to check it out. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, check it out. It's, the whole series is available on trades. I've got them all. It's it's a fantastic series. Yeah. Any um, with the current mainstream of comics and movies and media and everything what comic arc or story would you like to see adapted to either the the big or small screen oh it's a great question um aside from old wounds yeah right? <laughs> aside from old wounds aside from old wounds um <laughs> boy what would i like to see adapted into a movie uh anything that jeff loeb and tim sale did on batman uh long halloween and dark victory i mean <laughs> You see a lot of still not beating heart. You see a lot of Long Halloween in what Chris Nolan did. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, there are things stolen right out of Long Halloween, uh, but I think it would make a fantastic movie. What I'm guessing, and even though Jeff works primarily for Marvel now, 
I'm guessing that that will be an animated show, an animated movie. Halloween. It's Long Halloween. It, it's made beautifully for that. Plus, I mean, it's, it's a Godfather homage anyway. Um, I, I'd, I'd love to see an animated or live action Long Halloween slash Dark Victory. Um, I, th- I think it's kind of natural for that. Uh, what else is out there that, that I'd like to see? Um, Greg Rucka's Punisher run, I think, would make a fant- fantastic movie, especially with what Thomas Jane did in that short it's the Punisher but it's not really the Punisher short film that he did uh, which to me is the best Punisher movie ever made that 10 minute short I think it's brilliant it's made a lot of love yeah uh, I mean really there's there's a lot of passion in that and and a lot of that I think owes to what Greg and Marco did on the Punisher um what's out there that I, I'm, I'm going through my collection what would I what would I love to see <laughs> adapted uh, another Greg Rucka book Lazarus oh forget Lazarus forget everything else Queen and Country. Happy, happy, Greg Rucka's spy series, uh, which in itself was an homage to uh, to a spy series that came out of the BBC in the 70s. Um, the name of which is escaping me right now. That's terrible. Um, but I think Queen and Country would make a natural film. Yeah, I'd love to see a Queen and Country movie. Yeah, so Hollywood, if you're listening, go find Greg Rucka's work. Yeah, we have a lot of producers, really famous people who listen to our podcast. You never, you never know. <laughs> That's true. You never know. Well, thank you so much, Russell. We really sure. appreciate it. We love talking to you. John, Jeremy, good to talk to you guys. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Thanks. We are here with Frank, the wonderful artist who is just who's just fabulous. He actually does, he's doing some cruddy art, he says, here. He did, if you've come to my happy place and you've gone to the bathroom, he did the fantastic Green Lantern artwork in there. Frank, who's your favorite superhero? I'm going to have to go with Batman on that. And you have a Batman Green Lantern tattoo on your arm. Who's your? So I'm, am I safe saying that your Green Lantern's your second favorite? Green Lantern's a close second, yeah. I mean, a close first. Sorry. Um, really, I like them both for different reasons. Like Batman, yeah, is more more of like a real sort of person. He's got no powers. He's got money. That's a superpower. Same thing, you know, with Iron Man. But, yeah, but. Green Lantern, I like I like the whole concept of the entire core that kind of like Jeff Johns kind of put into into play, where I mean, power is based off emotions. It's just like a cool concept to me. Which which color do you think you would be on the spectrum? Uh, <laughs> probably I'd probably be on the range spectrum. Red. Yeah, red. <laughs> That's what I was guessing, but I didn't want to say it for you. <laughs> um. What rest of everyone here, what kind of story arc hero would you like to see on the big screen? A death of the um, I've talked about it before, honestly. I would love to see the Blackest Night storyline portrayed on the big screen. Like, yeah, it'd be a complicated thing to kind of set up. It'd have to be sort of like a universe in itself. Because you'd have to do the prequel of the entire thing, all the different stories, where all the colors came from. I mean, you can kind of fit that in one movie, but it wouldn't do it justice. I don't feel like, but that movie itself would probably be phenomenal. Right? Do you think like maybe uh, Justice League three or four could tackle that with seeding in the previous? They can kind of seed at it. Um, As of right now, I'm a firm believer that Hal Jordan was in Batman vs Superman. He he was the pilot. Yeah, the pilot, the shot upward. Yep. There's a couple things online I saw. Um, So I mean, I'm a firm believer in that. Um, The fact that they didn't really introduce him, introduce him, kind of irritated me a little bit. I could have gone with a Hell Jordan instead of a Cyborg, but that's just me. I mean, it's going to make sense with the I'm whole mother box and everything like that, but... Would have been nice to have seen him. Yeah. I mean, he's not my favorite Green Lantern, no. but it would have been nice to... He's got to be the first one. Yeah. You have to start with him. Yeah. It would have been nice, I agree. Well, thanks very much, Frank. We appreciate it. Do you have anything you want to plug? Do you do, you do art on um, anything like that? You, I know you do this art. Do you want to plug your Little Caesars that you manage? I mean, I work at Little Caesars <laughs> on Route 14 in Crystal Lake. I'm the store manager. So take your comics, go to Little Caesars, and bother Frank. Yeah. Come talk comics with me at some point. I'm always here at my Happy Place Comics, too. So, I mean, I'm always down to talk about any ideas, problems about comics, anything like that. I mean, I'm totally about that. Fantastic. Thanks, Frank. No problem. We are here with the fabulous, the beautiful, the wonderful, the talented Bernie Gonzalez. Bernie, how are you? 
that's way too nice of an intro, but I am doing incredibly well. Thank you. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Fantastic. How's your con going? Good, good, really good, especially since it's uh, Free Comic Book Day today, mm -hmm. and Civil War just came out, well, technically Thursday night, but it's out this weekend, so mm -hmm. people are out, they are enjoying comics, it's, it's comic weekend right now. They can pick up issue zero today for Civil War 2 if they need oh, more. There you go, for free. Have you seen it yet? Yes, I actually saw it um, last night with uh, a buddy of mine who I think you guys may be familiar with. His name is Marcus Mueller. He draws a little comic called King of the Unknown. Oh, Definitely okay. worth checking out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah we, we <laughs> saw it, and it was good. It was uh, a fanboy's wet dream. It sure was. Every character that you would want in there, and a spoiler-free review. I'll just say words. Spider-Man. Ant-Man. Good. Zemo. Airport. <laughs> All things that have been in trailers. Characterization. All that's been in trailers. Humor. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Chala. Black Panther. All win. Yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Definitely. Everyone wins. Yes, everyone, everyone, wins. everyone wins. Yeah, I will say, if I may, on a critical standpoint, I almost would have rather that they broke up the movie into two parts. So, release Captain America: Civil War, Part One. And then come Christmas, release Captain America, Iron Man, uh, well, Iron, Man Iron Man Civil War Part 2, because the second part of the movie, without ruining anything, shifts a little bit as yes. far as the narrative. So it would have been interesting to just do a whole movie from Captain America's perspective and maybe do a second movie with a little bit more room to breathe and do it from Iron Man's perspective and they could have... Then you could have the, that, the, the, the one big fight in the movie be the... That would be a nice ending piece. The ending piece for the first movie. And they could have done an entire second act focusing on Iron Man, still dealing with yeah. Civil War, but just through a different lens and giving weight to both sides. Well, I like That's the idea of the Christmas May. Man, Christmas six months apart. Shoot time them time. both at the same time like Peter Jackson did with Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And if Robert Downey Jr. has been somewhat tentative about committing to an Iron Man 4, well, this is a way to basically get best of both worlds. You get a, a true Iron Man sequel that deals with the repercussions of part three and then goes into the bigger picture of the Avengers and what phase three is now going to be. I think it's now phase three with the movies and introducing characters like Black Panther and Ant-Man and what it's going to be and maybe how both of them, Captain America, seeing these guys as allies and maybe Iron Man seeing it from the other perspective, not necessarily as allies, but as tools that he can use to pull his agenda. So it's a good idea. I mean for sure. I mean we've already discussed this on your podcast. We are geniuses and DC should hire us. This is us. true. We actually are geniuses. <laughs> yeah. Um self anointed, but that's fine. All you need is one no person. No one's told us we weren't. That's right. My mom told me for a long time that I was special. So you owe me society. <laughs> What's uh, what's it's the haps? I had a question. Uh, this question is the part that's edited later. <laughs> Fuck. Fart <laughs> stop. <laughs> Go. What, what um, is there a comic book arc or story you'd like to see adapted to the big screen? Last time we saw you, you said Ragman. Ragman like, is there's the character, yes, that I would love. Is there a specific arc or storyline? To the big screen, I think Tower of Babel would be pretty good to see in the big screen. If they're already starting to piece together, John, you have that look. Have you not heard of Tower of Babel? Okay, this I will mean, be like I've, I've heard of the Bible. Okay, no, no, so, like? so you get the idea yeah. of what they're announcing. They so did an animated about it, didn't they? They did do an animated version of it. That was Doom, but it was a bit haphazard. It was kind of pieced together. So it's been out long enough that this could be a spoiler-filled version. It was written by Grant Morrison. Correct. They've, got, they've had yeah. plenty of time. Yes, and so short version of it, elevator pitch. The heroes in the Justice League are taken down one at a time. Batman is witnessing all of this, and he realizes he has secret files that he's kept the entire time on how to defeat Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and Martian Manhunter. And they're all understandably very angry about this because he's using their greatest fears, weaknesses against them and he's exploiting them but his idea was if Superman for example ever went rogue he could never stop them. Right. So he had to have a contingency plan and Batman being well Batman, he realized you know what I'm going to have this secret plan in, the, in my Batcave computer that no one will ever know 
until dun, 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 suspense ensues and then Rachel Ghoul's involved and basically all these plans that he had actually get enacted. I think that'd be good as a big screen adaptation. Batman would still be, he would be the hero slash the antagonist and you could introduce the main villain in that who was Rachel Ghoul. Um, and um, you could even, was it to a point? It was, I think there was some Vandal Savage. Savage was in it. Rashid was in it people. to a point. But you could have. Was like the bait, was like the, the guy behind the, the guy. He Correct, like, yes. Yeah. But, but they could have. All strings. Yeah, they could cast somebody big as Vandal Savage. I mean, Viggo Mortensen, he would be a great Vandal Savage, someone that you feel has a lot of veritas, has a lot of weight, that could stare down Batman and just say, you know, you decided not to be my heir, so now I'm going to take your plans and destroy your world. You know, something really... I could see Viggo Mortensen doing that and just really doing it. And you could have the entire Justice League and showcase all of that. If you wanted to, you can even go so far as to make it where he incapacitates them and maybe the sidekicks need to come in. So you could showcase like a Nightwing or a Supergirl. Kid Flash. Kid Flash, absolutely. You know? So Speedy. That'd be really yes, good, actually. Yeah. And they could expand the universe, but not necessarily devote a whole movie to Kid Flash. But he could be there for a bit to basically be the placeholder yeah. until Flash can come back at full speed. That would actually be sick. That's, mm-hmm. that's a really good answer. That's a really good answer. Thank you. From a really great person. <laughs> I have my moments. That literally was my moment. That was a moment. That was it. That was a good moment. Singular. I was but getting was a bit the... too excited. Moments. No, it's just one. Was that it was a 60-hour battle? <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. So that should be one that you guys should talk about on the Talking Trades podcast, is Tower of Battle. Sure. Because you've seen it, you've heard of it, but when you actually see it played out, it's just so good. Batman comes across as such a strategist. But he basically is the villain in the series. Well, the cover that. of that book would be a great movie poster. Absolutely, yes. It's Batman standing, all the Dust League is falling around him. Absolutely. It's amazing. <laughs> On the ground, he's standing there and he's looking completely sad. And you can even have a shot of Vandal Savage behind him, arms crossed in like full Thanos mode. The puppet tear behind the puppets, yeah. Be great. Mm. Just don't introduce Rage till the third act. That's even better, yes. And you bring back Liam Neeson. Oh, 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 just go ahead and do and, and bring the continuity of some of the Christopher Nolan. Plenty of the multiverse. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the Why not? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh, Bernie. That would be my that would be my idea for a big screen adaptation. That'd be amazing. Yes. Be amazing. Um, we're covering Midnight Mystery this awesome. season on the podcast. I do Midnight Mystery. You do Midnight I Mystery. Do. Very, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We're very excited to start that. Is there anything you should tell us or the listeners before we get started? Are you given us the elevator pitch on the last yes. last time? Mm-hmm. Is there anything we need to know going in? Is there anything like? look for this no I made it very accessible they're all independent one shot stories but you get to know the main character Ezekiel King who's a supernatural detective as you read the stories and you kind of build on them there's a few prose stories that are thrown in there just because they gave me a little bit more breathing room with the character but for the most part it's building towards something Uh, there are four comics that are now available on the website and I am currently working on another six issues which are actually all penciled and Marcus Mueller who works on King of the Unknown actually saw them for the first time let me backtrack my wife saw them for the first time Marcus saw them second priority Um, so they're they're out there and they're done I'm working on inking them preparing them so that way I can put them all available so there'll be a lot of them out there that's Mm -hmm. awesome by the time we get started it's going to be a little bit we're either gonna, I think we're gonna end with that one for the season. Okay. So that'll give me excited. some time to create more, and then I can get the input from you guys on what you think. Tell me what I did, good, bad, or ugly. I am open All to good. criticism. All good. So. I'm looking at you right now. All good. All Thank good. you. All good. Thank you. I Thanks appreciate it. Us, Bernie. You're the man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys. We love talking to you. Thank you. That was nice. Follow us on Twitter at Talk and Trades. You can also follow Jeremy at, at LizardKing27 and John at, at MaesterLaka, M A E S T E R L A K A. Also, find us on Facebook at Talk and Trades. And remember, guys, we're not experts, we're fans.